The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. terrible what's going on i am jimmy kemsky with phillyvoice.com with me as always is brandon lee gowden of bleedinggreennation.com this is bgn radio episode number 157 how you doing brandon jimmy i guess there's a lot of eagle stuff to talk about but before we get into that right to sell on craft turkey now forget turkey just get a bunch of right to sell on craft turkey go to right use discount code bgn15 just get all that and eat that instead and then just forget the Eagles exist, and you'll have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> We're going to get to a lot of stuff here. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about news on the Who Cares front. Talk a little bit about Eagles-Browns, a little bit more of the Who Cares front. In segment two, we're going to get to some more fun stuff. We'll get to the Wheel of Badness. We'll get to a little stay-or-go game with uh, Howie, Doug, and Carson. We'll get to bench or no bench, and we'll make our NFC East picks in the uh, final segment. But most importantly... It's on the menu for Thanksgiving, buddy. Well, Jimmy, you know, everyone loves my Thanksgiving takes. Like, we did the Thanksgiving <laughs> food draft That's last right. Year. It was very controversial last year. And I took pizza number one, and <laughs> I won't be having pizza this year, but I think I'm just going to do Wawa, honestly. Really? Are you going yep. anywhere for Thanksgiving? Uh, see my parents, probably outside, but I think we're just going to get Wawa. We're going to keep it simple. Usually, we used to have Thanksgiving every year, like, my, you know, my side of the family, or my mom specifically would host, um, but I think we're kind of just keeping it low-key this year, trying to make it easy, so probably just Wawa. Yeah, my COVID circle has been pretty small. It's just uh, me, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, my daughter, my mom, and Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors' mom, uh, Stephanie Roach of Roach Realtors. Um, <laughs> so it's going to be just four of us. It'll be me, Kristen. My daughter and my mom. What are you guys having? I want to do like kind of like a Thanksgiving approach to Wawa. Like I want to try like a variety of different things. I'm going to get some uh, some stuff off the touchscreen menu. Maybe like mm-hmm. a, a, one of the – I don't like the gobbler as a whole. I don't either. Like I don't want cranberry sauce on a, on a hoagie. I just don't want that. Like I don't want sweetness like that. I, I'm going to try their little one that has like mashed potatoes on that. I don't think I've ever had that one. Maybe get another sandwich. Try some of their stuff, you know, and like the uh, like the pre <laughs> like the wraps or whatever. Like just kind of little uh, smorgasbord of Wawa options. What about what, you? What like what will your what will your mom have? I think she might get like a bowl from Wawa. Oh, so she's gonna get Wawa too. Well, maybe like a little bit, but I, she might have some. She might make something for herself on her own too. Because she kind of. <laughs> um, I, awesome. I, I think she. I think she had something else in mind, but I can't remember it right now. Okay. Yeah, we're going a little seven-pound turkey, and I'll throw that in the Mm. slow cooker with a little uh, turkey gravy, and I'll fry up, like, bacon well done, and I put that in the turkey gravy, and that, like, with the slow cooker and the turkey all day, we're going to have mac and cheese, uh, Kraft mac and cheese for my daughter and for me, Uh, rice a (laughs) little stuffing, little biscuits, little corn on the cob, Uh, what am I missing, little mashed potatoes. Uh, Kobasi for like the uh, yes. that'll be for like the um, the Lions game. We'll probably eat it like three, so we'll have like the uh, the app. I, was, I might do like pigs in a blanket too, or like mm. mine are awesome. So like what I do, so you're really I'll, doing it up. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, a little kind of, and like so I'll get like you know like the little cocktail weenies, and uh, I'll get cheese like deli cheese, and I put I wrap the cheese 
I put the cheese like around the, the little cocktail weenie, and then you get like those cre- those Pillsbury crescent rolls, and I sort of stretch those around the uh, the hot dog, the little mini hot dogs. Throw them in the oven. like the pre-made pigs in a blanket garbage. You got to kind of do them yourself, and they're so much better that way. And you put cheese in the middle of them, uh, you know, it just makes them even even like ten times better than the regular. I would ones. say cheese is the best thing to put on a hot dog. Like people ask me, what do I put on my hot dog? Ketchup, mustard? No, none of that. Cheese. Cheese is uh, number two for me behind mustard, but yeah, for sure. It's and then I'll and then I'll probably go turkey Carvel cake too, like you know a Carvel cake, but. In the shape of a turkey. Okay. Hopefully they have those in shop right this year. Anyway. Sounds like it'll be good. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like it'll be a lot better than thinking about the Eagles. <laughs> Thankfully, the Eagles are not playing on Thanksgiving. Uh, I remember the one year. That's the first thing I look for, by the way, on the schedule when it comes out is, are the Eagles playing on the road? I mean, I guess they wouldn't play at home unless it were the night game. But are they are they playing on the road on Thanksgiving? And I'm always thankful when they are not like going to Detroit on Thanksgiving, what was that? Twenty fifteen? That was yes, like that. That was like a brutal year. chip year. Yeah, that trip sucked. <laughs> so I don't want to. I'm in no rush to do that again. And then the one year they went to Dallas, which was the Mark Sanchez game. Two thousand fourteen. I think that was twenty. Yeah, you're right. That was twenty fourteen. Um, I was not yet traveling uh, to all the road games at that point. Just sort of the, the close ones. Uh, so I did not go to that one. So I missed out on that one, which was good. Uh, anyway, I guess we should get to the Eagles, I guess. Uh, news uh, on the who cares front again. Uh, strap goes to IR. Uh, Gennard Avery practice window opened. Nobody cares about either of those two things. Well, do you care, care. About, do you care about Strap? Oh, it might be his last snap with the Eagles. He it might could have be. played his last snap. Because, he didn't have a very uh, good year, if we're going to be honest. Yeah, not a good year, but still a bummer like that this could be it and yeah. he'd go out like this because he's going to be a free agent after the year. He might not come back. So that's a little disappointing, a little sad. And then, uh, of course, your favorite player, Gennard Avery. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to save the season. Gennard Avery is going to be back from injured reserve. And it might not even be this week because they protected Joe Ospin um, from the practice squad. Yeah. And uh, I think that kind of signals he might not be ready this week. So I have to wait and, one more week maybe speaking, for Gennard Avery. Speaking of practice squad protections, I guess they, they signed Jordan Howard after we recorded last week, right? Because we didn't cover that, if I recall. Yeah. Why? <laughs> What are they doing? I didn't see if you wrote about him or not. I assume you did. did. What was your take on that? Well, it's like it's the same thing we've been saying all season. It's it's one of these <laughs> players who it's familiarity above all else. Former Eagle had to get him. Um, Jordan Howard did some nice things with the Eagles last year. Sure, Make no yeah. mistake about it. When he was healthy, I'm not like no <laughs> one's disputing that. But to me, like look at this where this team is. Like, if the Eagles had 10 wins right now or whatever, or, well, that'd be 10 and 0. But, like, you know, if they were, like, 8 wins or whatever, 7 wins, then they make this move, then whatever. That's fine. It's understandable. They're competing now. But they're not competing now, really. I know they're first in the division, but that's a – come on. Stop. And uh, why not just give more chances to Elijah Holyfield, who actually did some nice things in training camp, I thought. Or even Jason Huntley. Like, why are we giving touches to Jordan Howard, potentially – who, first of all, has been terrible with the Dolphins this year. <laughs> yes. Like, kind of a big deal. He's averaging 1.8 yards per carry. And no, 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 no. 1.2 yards per carry. Oh, sorry. 1.2. And as you <laughs> pointed out, that's not just because he was getting goal line touches. Like, there was touches in there where it wasn't just goal line or short yeah, yardage. Yeah, so the, the, what I saw about that was people were saying he was solely a short yardage back. And that's not true. So he was their short yardage back. He was. But that's not solely what he did. Uh, more than half of his carries were on more than uh, – it was on four or more yards to go. So there were a lot of like first and ten carries, second and whatever carries. Uh, so he was not just a short yardage back. He had 28 – off the top of my head, I believe, it was 28 carries for 33 yards. <laughs> so like – and he had four touchdowns. But he also had a lot of short yardage carries near the goal line where like he just got stuffed and didn't look good. So he wasn't even really good in that role, despite like what those four touchdowns might say. And then uh, uh, he had one catch for three for I'm sorry, minus three yards. And he fumbled on that play. So like uh, the Dolphins were willing to cut him despite him making uh, again off the top of my head, I believe it was. 4.75 million guaranteed. Like the deal he signed, I think it was, it was either two years for nine or two for 10. But mm-hmm. I know that 4.75 of that was guaranteed. So they were willing to eat that money. 
in a, in a you know midseason in a year where they have a chance to make the playoffs, the Dolphins. So uh, weird signing by the Eagles. You might say, well, he's only on the practice squad for now. Yeah, all right, fine. But again, as you pointed out, why even bother? Like, why even give him touches over some other younger player who can actually, you know, you, you can actually see what they have? Yeah, Howard is 26. He's going to be a free agent, obviously, after this year. Like, Elijah Holyfield is 22, and you could have him on a very cost-controlled deal if he turns out to be a good player. Or, like, it's just, there's, it's the no <laughs> new ideas thing. It's just, you know, yeah. always same familiarity player. It's just, it's not even worth, you know, getting outraged about, but it's just like, it's not even surprising. Like, that's the biggest problem about it. Like, when the, the Dolphins cut him, I wrote an article. Like, like should, the, I don't think it was even should the Eagles bring him back because I said no, but I like, like, this is probably going to happen. And it did. <laughs> right. They have eight guys on, I think it's eight, uh, eight guys on the team that were on the team and then they were on another team and now they're back on the Eagles. Hmm. It's too many. And it's weird because they have had success poaching players off of other teams' practice squads, like Strap, like, like or, Boston yeah, well, Scott, mm-hmm. Jake Elliott. Mm-hmm. A little bit more of a specialty position there, but whatever. Uh, take a shot on somebody. Like, you have 31 other practice squads to choose from. And I guess the difference there would be, like, if you do poach somebody off of a practice squad, they got to be on your active roster, whereas Jordan Howard is currently on the practice squad. But nevertheless... <laughs> just getting back to your initial point, why bother? Why give him potentially carries over somebody else? All right, let's move on from that. Uh, the other news to come out of this week is that Doug intends on sticking with – well, first of all, he's not going to bench Carson Wentz. We'll get to all that later. But Doug intends on sticking with uh, JP at left tackle. I guess what I'm more concerned about in as far as JP goes – did he? Do you think he took himself out of that game on Sunday? I mean, he's done it in the past, so I can't rule that out. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't like like you know how as they do uh, in the press box when somebody gets injured, they'll announce what the injury is and the likelihood of that player's return questionable out, etc. And I know that it was late in the game, so there usually is a little bit of a delay between when a guy goes out and when they announce the injury. But they didn't mm-hmm. never they never announced an injury for him, and he did he looked fine standing on the sideline to me. Like they didn't look like nobody was looking at him or anything like that. He was just standing on the sideline. No trainers looking at him, and uh, they were down uh, two scores at that point. Extremely unlikely to come back, and he's just on the sideline. So you know, again, pure speculation from my point from my point of view, but. I think he took himself out of the game. Well, who has the authority to bench him? Himself. <laughs> That's the answer. They, they yeah. didn't bench him. Uh, I they they have, it's, it's for me. It was really only a matter of did they take him out, or I'm sorry, did did he take himself out, or was he legitimately injured? Now Doug said he was injured. He didn't offer up what exactly was wrong with him, which is sort mm-hmm. of another tell. But uh, yeah, I, I I think he took himself out, which for a player that demanded more money to move to another position. I mean, really, he's just been a debt. I mean, he was obviously horrible in the Browns game, horrible in the Bengals game earlier in the year, not great against some other teams. Just been really just a terrible idea to bring him back this year. It's just bad, Jimmy. That's that's my analysis for you. It's really it's just a because it's a stupid situation. I mean, why is he playing at left tackle when he's not helping you win now? He's going to be thirty nine, by the way, in a few months or a couple months here, less than two months. Jordan Mailata, like, how much worse could Jordan Mailata be? And Jordan Mailata can actually be here for the long term. I want to run this by you, Jimmy. Okay. I thought this was interesting. Ruben Frank threw this out in one of his columns on NBC Sports Philly. His, it's like he's, he said it's a conspiracy theory. It's not like information. But mm-hmm. I was like, I could totally see this. And his conspiracy theory is that the Eagles don't want to put Jordan Mailata a left tackle because then it creates like a schism potentially with Andre Dillard coming back next year and okay. then people wanting Andre Dillard or Mylotta over Andre Dillard. I don't think that's fully it because I think, you know, obviously Peters having so much power plays a big part in him sticking at left tackle. But I thought about that and I was like, yeah, I can kind of see that. Um, but the, the JP thing is ridiculous and really it's not even necessarily the most, well, it is one of the most, but I mean, the offensive line situation is weird as a whole with like Nate Herbig just randomly getting yes. like, phase out of the entire like not even active on game day like that i don't like okay let's say they didn't think he's playing well so they take him out of the starting lineup that's one thing but then to keep him inactive and put opetta over there who doesn't really even have a lot of experience playing no. right guard 
when you could put Jason Peters at right guard, which is what you originally signed him to do, and then put <laughs> Jordan Mailata at left tackle. Like, what? Like, what is going on? Like, who is making these decisions? What is the sense? Like, what is the logic behind these decisions? I don't get it. Yeah, at least with Pryor, he has played a little bit, and they might just again, they it might just go back to that familiarity aspect. Like, he did play in the playoff game last year. He started another game, or I don't know if he started another game, but he played a, a decent amount in games last year. He's played plenty this year. Whereas Opeta really had extremely minimal experience this year and looked bad when he was when he was um, when, when he when he was out there. Herbig has been clearly better than Pryor, in my opinion. Again, at least it's defensible to maybe have Pryor in there. It's wholly indefensible to have Suo Opeta in over Herbig, too. So, again, that situation, like you said, is really weird. And for him to be inactive, they played nine offensive linemen in that game. Like, they could have actually used Herbie, maybe. I don't know if I've seen a game where nine offensive linemen got in the game, by the way. They didn't <laughs> even want to use – like, they didn't even want to play Matt Pryor earlier in the year. Like, <laughs> right. Like, when there are opportunities to do so, I mean, obviously, they went with her big over him in week one and for a long time. Like, they basically, there were situations there, and then even putting draft Jack Driscoll in at right tackle instead of Pryor. Like, early in the season, they're pretty much trying to find a way to not get Matt Pryor on the field as much as they can. Like, I just don't understand it. I don't, I just don't get it. I wanted to answer the uh, Ruben Frank conspiracy theory, by the way. I, I don't buy that. Um, I actually don't think Jordan Mylott has been good. Like in having you know watching him, I don't think he's been really that good. It's just that our expectations are low for him, and it's new and it's fun that he's in there. And I think you know his like the perception of how well he's playing is boosted by that a little bit. Uh, but clearly, I want to see him in there as if you know just when you when from a long term perspective, I want to see what he has. So play him as much as you can because you know that – actually, what are the – I was going to say, you know that JP is not going to be on the team next year. <laughs> like That's kind of what we thought about Darren Sproles for like three straight years. What are the percentage chances that JP is back in 2021? It's better than zero. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this depends who's back in terms of uh, you know GM and head coach. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, not head yeah. coach so much to me, but uh, GM. But also, you know, still best friends of the owner. So that's also a factor. I mean, it, it kind of depends, you know, what the vision is. Like if they're going to actually tear it down, then yeah, I don't see him back. But if they're just going to convince themselves, like run it back one more year, then yeah, there's a there's absolutely like I would say like at least a 20% chance he's back. Really? 20%? If they like run it back, I'm saying. Yeah, you know, maybe. I mean, that's pathetic, but uh, I wouldn't totally disagree with that, I guess. All right. Uh, Eagles Browns. I mean, the basics of, of what happened on Sunday was that the defense was mostly okay. Uh, offense was basically trash. Uh, offensive line was bad. The quarterback was bad again. The wide receivers were bad. The run game worked initially. Then they just abandoned it completely after the Miles Sanders fumble. Um, did you have any other bigger takeaways uh, from just that individual game? Yeah, just on the defense. So that what they gave up thirteen points and they really created seven more. You know, mm-hmm. with that turnover and. Gave the ball, Eagles the ball to the 19 uh, yard line. Although on a, on a negative, and I feel like this has happened so often, where like you know the defense uh, is so vulnerable immediately after the offense finally does something good. Like it's it's crazy. It's like it's almost like all right, they let up or something. I don't I don't get it. But whenever the offense finally actually does something good, like the defense can't get an answer. Like the Browns scored a touchdown and then a field goal immediately after the Eagles had their scores. Like there's no resiliency from the yeah. defense. So, like, that's frustrating. Um, although, overall, again, I think, you know, obviously not pinning the game on them at all. The offense is a disaster, Jimmy. It's 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 awful. It's terrible. <laughs> yes. It, it's, it's again, offense has never been easier in the NFL. You look at, like, across the board, around the league, like, scoring is up, passing is up, and the Eagles, like, it just, they make it look so impossible. And it's it's weird because, you know, it looks so good early in the game, or at least not not so amazing because it was just one drive, but it looked promising. Like, you know, they marched down the field on the first drive. I thought Carson Wentz was looking like the best he did all season. And I was about to like maybe tweet something about that. Like right as he throws that yes. pick six, I was yeah. like, oh, there it is. Yeah. On the first drive, they only threw once and they got a, they got a decent chunk play. Uh, and I forget where it went, but then on the second drive, uh, after the Eagles got that goal line stand, where they held him on fourth down at the goal line. They ran a sneak, got a couple yards just to get some breathing room. Wentz hits Rager on the out. They run play action. He hits Goddard down the field for like 30-something yards. They ran play action again. 
dumped it down to Sanders for a few. And then they ran play action again. Like <laughs> they went to the play action well, you know, three straight plays. And then that's when Denzel, Denzel Ward comes off the comes off the edge, hits Wentz, ball pops up in the air, and uh Taki Taki uh picks it off and runs it back for six. That was a weird that was a weird route on that play. It's hard to kind of pin blame on who is actually more at fault in that play, whether it was Rager for running like a, a bad route or not running his route completely, uh, or if it was on Wentz for not throw, throwing to Rager or not hitting the check down sooner. Doug put that on Wentz a little bit, that he should have probably just thrown it to Rager. What was your take I mean, on that play? I mean, Carson, as a on a broader concept, Carson has been slow to get the ball out for sure. Year. Yeah. So yeah. like, so that's kind of a problem, even if it's not a problem on that specific play. I mean, he ranks towards the bottom of the league in terms of time to throw. It's like, I think he's top bottom eight or around there. He's, it's definitely towards the bottom. So yeah, I mean, that's a big issue. Yeah. I mean, when I, I went, I, I did, I went through the exercise of going through every sack on the season and assigning blame on each of them. And I had him down for, I forget the exact amount, but I want to say it was like eight and a half. So that's not good. Like that was a game ago that didn't even include the Browns game, but obviously that that's a bad number for a quarterback. And you're right; like he's just had real problems of with getting the ball out quickly, holding onto it, holding onto it, and uh, taking sacks that he you know he should have either gotten rid of the ball or maybe there was something open sooner and he just didn't see it. It's a big problem with the quarterback position. Clearly, it's a big problem. It's uh you know you got the the quarterback position. It's not good. <laughs> so so. Now the really tough stretch begins because, yeah. you know, the Eagles are three, six, and one. They, now they face and, – and really it's funny because it's like, okay, who's like the team that probably would be like the worst team for them to play? If you're hoping – like if, if you have any hope that yes. they can kind of get back into this thing. <laughs> oh, the Seattle Seahawks who own the Eagles. Russell Wilson being 5-0 and o against them in his career. Uh, and obviously that's on Monday night. And then you have the Packers in Green Bay. Uh, come back to Philly, the link to play the Saints and Malcolm Jenkins, and then out in the desert to play the Cardinals. Four very tough games. Are they the four best teams in the NFC? So I do power rankings every week, Jimmy. I know you do your uh, hierarchy, your hierarchy as well. So my top NFC teams are I actually have the Rams up in there. I have the okay. Rams as my second best one right now, but I have the Saints as my first best NFC team. Uh, the Packers as my third. Seahawks are my fourth, and then I have the Cardinals, or sorry, the Bucks is my fifth, and then the Cardinals is my sixth. So four of the top six NFC teams, I would say, in my power rankings, which are really important. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm just looking at mine. I had Saints one, Packers two, Seahawks three, Rams four, Cardinals five. So I, they're one, three, one, two, three, and five on my list. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose all four of those games, clearly. <laughs> right? I mean, like, it's crazy, by the way. We'll get to this later, too. But these are only five-point underdogs to the Seahawks. Like, have like has Vegas, like, not watched any Seahawks or any Eagles games this year? Like, I understand the Seahawks games tend to be weird. And, uh, like, they play up to, the, to good competition. And they play down mm-hmm. to lesser competition. But, come on. Like, the Eagles aren't going to come within five points of them, right? How could you have any confidence in this Eagles <laughs> team, like, about anything? Like, what's what's inspiring hope? Like, what do you feel good about? Nothing. Yeah. I mean, like, you could you have to, like, really kind of stretch. Like, okay, Alex Singleton did some good things against the Browns. Josh Sweat had a sack for the first time since week four. Like, Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, the Eagles are undefe- undefeated on primetime, Jimmy. They have that going for them. Well, that's true. Yeah, I guess they beat uh... – Oh, they have two 49ers. games, the, the 49ers and the first Giants game. And uh, I think there's one more. Oh, Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, Cowboys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, all right. So there's something. 3-0, baby. <laughs> yeah, so when I was looking through uh, just the remaining schedules for the rest of the NFC East, uh, the Eagles have the hardest strength of schedule left with uh, combined opponent winning percentage of 567, uh, obviously on the strength of the four teams that we just named. Uh, Giants behind them at 525, football team behind them at 516, and then the Dallas Cowboys, who are now 3-7, and seven, came off uh, like a legitimate win uh, in Minnesota over the Vikings, who are better than their record would indicate, in my opinion. Uh, their remaining strength of schedule is 367, and they have what are, in my view, five winnable games. So they have football team on Thanksgiving. 
They have uh, they go to Baltimore thereafter. That's a loss. Then they go to mm, Ravens. The, haven't looked good. That's true. They they have not been as good as uh, as ex- expectations this season. And then they go to Cincinnati to play the Joe Burrowless uh, Bengals. And they have the 49ers at home, as we know. 49ers are bad enough that they can lose to the Eagles. <laughs> and they have the Eagles at home. And then they have uh, the Giants on the road. So they have five bad teams left on the roster. I think they're going to win the division. And I think it's probably more likely, I think substantially more likely even, that the Eagles finish last in the division than it is that they finish first. Last in maybe the worst division ever, as you put <laughs> yes. it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, if they're I mean, la- if they finish last in in the in what is arguably the worst division in NFL history, it's got to be a complete teardown, right? Well, on that note, Jimmy, we should probably get to that in yes. greater detail after the break. Which before we you know take a break here, Jimmy, sit right there while I tell you about righteous felon craft jerky. Which again, ditch the turkey, get the righteous felon craft jerky by going to righteousfelon.com. You can discount code. Uh, BGN 15. I know, you know, you hear me talk about it all the time. You're like, how could it possibly be good? Well, listeners, let me tell you that uh, the, the people who've had it, who listen to BGN radio, they really like it. Again, it's not just meat snacks there. It's not just jerky. They have like meat tubes. There's non-meat snacks, artisan snacks. They have gear. If you're looking for a cool hat, t-shirt, the logo is cool there. A lot of different options. So just go check it out. It doesn't cost you anything to just go to RighteousSelling.com. Check out the website. See if there's anything you like. You know, it's Black Friday. You're in a shopping mood anyway. Um, so use that discount code. Get some, you know, discounted food, snacks to have for the rest of the season while you're going to be watching these Eagles games and it's going to be miserable. At least you'll be enjoying the, the food you're snacking on. You'll be supporting BGN Radio because it helps support the podcast. You're also helping support a local business business in these uh, tough, trying times that we're in. So it's really a win-win-win for everyone. So RightToSelling.com, discount code BGN15. Do it. Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 157. Jimmy, you teased before the break, the Eagles can't, uh, managed to not finish last. So if they do finish last in the worst division maybe ever, big changes on the way. Well, should we do should we do stay or go first or should we do the wheel of badness real quick? Stay or go. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I, right. I think that's what people care about the most. Right now. Okay. Fair enough. So stay or go. <laughs> Let's just start right off the bat. Uh, Howie Roseman. Go. I mean, Jimmy, when the great Tommy Lawler is calling for Howie Roseman's job, which I don't know if you saw. I did see that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, if we're reaching that point where Tommy, who was, like, the most optimistic, one of the most optimistic people and level-headed uh, people about the Eagles I know, is is saying that Harry Roseman should be fired. It basically, like, made the case that you could fire him right now. And, like, that would be okay. Because, you know, like, it's not like anything he's going to do now is going to change anything for the team. Like, for, for Howie to come out, or for or t- Tommy to come out and say that, I mean... There's no coming back from that. Uh, he was pretty matter of fact about it too. Like he didn't make like a, like it wasn't like his headline. Like how he's got to go. It's it just yeah. it was just within an article that he wrote. And uh, I agree with the sentiment that if you're going to do it, just do it now. I mean, look at what wow. as our, look at what happened. I guess it was prior to the trade deadline where they he he redid Fletcher Cox's deal. Like mm. Fletcher Cox was a guy that you could have traded this offseason maybe, and uh, it would have been a substantial 
cap savings now, not anymore. Like he's going, he's on the team for the next two years. And if you're going to do a complete teardown, he's a guy that makes sense to try to actually get like, you know, draft pick, comp- like good draft pick compensation for while also creating more cap space. Can't do that with him anymore. And I think that was a, I thought that was a weird player to redo the, you know, redo his contract mid season uh, like they did. And that like they have been doing over the past few years. So if you do, you know, if they were to like let go of Howie now, as opposed to at the end of the season, there's no risk of that happening again with another player where like, you know, the, the vision for the next GM coming in might be different than what is going to happen between now and the rest of the season. So uh, I, I do agree that like, if, if you're going to do it, then do it now. And I also, I'm going to have like a, a much longer uh, detailed, like f- fully reasoned piece that I'll either put out on Friday or Monday, depending on what kind of time I have. But uh, I'm going to show sort of like what a full, well, how I envision like a full blow up, tear down looks. And in my view, if they are indeed the worst team in the worst uh, division ever, then you're going to have to tear down everything. Because when you look at the, when you look at the team, it's one of the most expensive teams in the NFL. It's one of the oldest teams in the NFL. And it's going to be very difficult to dig out of the hole as is, even if you can, even if you commit to totally deconstructing the roster, wiping everyone out, and then rebuilding it back up. Like that's going to be a long process. And I think that sticking with the, this core, like this, what the remaining core from like the Super Bowl team, which is aging and not a, not as good anymore, not as talented. If you stick with that, it's just prolonging what what the inevitable is. And I think that's that's what Harry Roseman's going to do if he is you know able to stay in place because he's not going to be he's not going to be like managing for the future at that point at that point he's managing for his job and i mm-hmm. think it's better to just get rid of guys before they go down that route yeah that's a key point that you made there jimmy like the, the time is now i don't understand how you can trust harry roseman to to rebuild this thing tommy said it well he was like if how we had the answers they would not be in this situation in the first place like that that just nails it like how can you possibly trust howie you know to like reinfuse this team with the young talent that it needs how can you trust him with the cap stuff like i see so many people talk about oh just reassign howie in the front office and make him like the cap guy they have done poorly with the cap like they're they're not managing the money well you just brought up the cox you know thing as an example i mean look at alshon's contract no like and if he's in the building at all that's an issue that's a half measure and we've seen it before right right they've already been down that path it belies the potential for him to you know undermine someone like no just get him out of the building he's been here for 20 years he doesn't need to be here he's not the only person like in the world who's capable of running the eagles like that that's just that's where they've been for most of the last 10 years but it doesn't have to be the case moving forward they can turn the page they can thank howie roseman for building a super bowl winner but they can also come to terms that that really wasn't sustainable over the long term like this isn't a guy who knows what he's doing over a longer period of time it is just so clearly obvious for Howie to go. Jimmy, I don't like to toot my own horn, but clearly, actually, I do. And <laughs> yes, I've been saying for forever now that Howie needs to go, or at least his job should be in jeopardy. I've been like for a long, long time now. A lot of people have been giving me crap for that, and that's fine. Whatever. doesn't matter. But my point with that is like this isn't just some overreaction kind of thing. Like, I've been saying for a while that we've seen warning signs here. That, you know, like things were worse than they appeared. You know, I, I said it a billion times. Like, this team was not in as good a shape as they thought they were heading into this year. You know, these past two seasons, like, they barely make the playoffs. And they didn't look at that internally. They, they looked at it as bottom line. You made the playoffs. You can't qualify it. And I think they were very wrong to think that way. And, and now they're in a really bad spot going forward. Benjamin Solak wrote a really good article for Bleeding Green Nation after the Browns game. That basically kind of outlines how they're they're kind of screwed here, like moving forward. Not even, no, not even kind of screwed. They are screwed. Yes, and uh, and I just don't see Howie Roseman being the one to to get them out of this mess. I'm with you there. So, Doug, I really think Doug is getting too much crap. I I really I'm willing willing to go down on the ship with that one because I think so many people. I think the conversation has become like Doug is fault at fault for literally everything. I just think that's so misguided. Now, with that said. Like, if they're going to make a total change and they're going to fire him, fine. That's whatever. I'm not going to say, like, you have to keep Doug. He's a must-keep. But this idea that, like, Carson Wentz isn't to blame for his struggles this year and it's just Doug and, like, Doug is doing a terrible job, which I, I keep seeing, it's just insane to me. Like, 
No, it is the offense is bad. Doug is having a terrible year. Yes, I am not trying to like defend Doug to the point where like I'm saying he's actually great, but like man, I just think it's so misguided to put. I think he's getting a disproportionate amount of the blame. That's how I'll put it. That's fair. I think the quarterback is worse than the coach. So I'm with you there. Um, I think though that if the team you know has a willingness to tear it all down, and if you know, so if they if they fire Howie Roseman, for example. I just think that shows a willingness to just tear down what they have in place and rebuild with you no know, new ideas and a new GM and whatever else. So within that premise, you know, there's no sense in dragging Doug along for all that, <laughs> you know, because all that's going to happen is because you know, the, the team's going to be bad in 2021. So if you if you tear everything down, the team's going to like, I mean, they're going to be bottom five, bottom ten like type of team in 2021. They're probably going to be that anyways, but like uh, if they tear it down, then they're certainly going to be that. So there's no sense of, you know, dragging Doug along for all that because fans are just going to constantly call for his head while the team continues to lose. And in my view, like a new voice that you bring in as the head coach is sort of afforded uh, the opportunity to make decisions in the best interest of the long term than uh, a head coach that's sort of coaching for his job uh, in the short term. So I think if you fire Doug, it's sort of a package deal. I'm sorry. I think if you fire Howie, then it's a package deal that Doug also has to go. Yeah, I get that. And I, I'm not going to like fight that. I just think it's really sad to see so many – like the conversation has become <clears throat> Doug Peterson doesn't deserve any credit for the Super Bowl. It's all Frank Reich. Like, it's that's just, ridiculous. It's, uh, yeah, that, that, it, that's, it, it, that, that's an absurd that, take. For sure. I see that like every day now and it's just like widely accepted. <laughs> I also see one of the, the stupidest things I hate that people bring up. Actually, Doug Peterson didn't call the Philly special. It was Nick Foles. <laughs> Nick Foles came up to Doug Peterson and said, do you want to run Philly Philly? And Doug said yes. Doug was still the one who gave the green light on yeah, that play. Right, that, right, right. That's, that's absolutely relevant. He could have been like, no, let's not do it's that. It's actually even that more impressive bad. that he did that. Like allowing uh, a player to give an idea and saying, you know what? That's an, that's a better idea than what I had. Let's do it. Yeah, like it's just so so it's so lame to me that people are besmirching Doug to the degree that they are when it's just like they're taking away all the credit he gets. And and I think a lot of it has to do I really believe this, Jimmy, is that people are when it comes to beliefs, people are married to convenience. They don't want to believe what is most inconvenient for them. And we see this in beyond sports. Trust me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so many people just can't wrap their heads around that Carson Wentz could actually just be bad now or that like, you know, it's his fault or whatever. I, and obviously, you know, it's because it's easier and we're, we're transitioning to Wentz now, I guess here. Yeah. Say um, or go Carson Wentz. Have at it. I mean, they have to keep him because of his contract, really. I mean, that's the situation they're in. But if they could move on from him, it would absolutely be a fair time to move on from him. I mean, he has been terrible. I think there are serious questions uh, about like the viability of him moving forward. I don't think this is a player. I don't think it's as simple as you can say, oh, this is a good player just having a bad year. I don't think that's the case. Like, I don't think it's a fluke. I think this this is an absolutely concerning trend line, or, or not trend line, it's absolutely a concern moving forward about his long-term outlook. Like, I just think the, the body isn't the same. I really worry about that big hit he took, you know, from Clowney. I wonder how much that's impacting him. Like, like, there's a very good chance here that Carson Wentz isn't the answer for the Eagles in the long term. I'm not saying that that's a 0% chance right now, but there's, like, a pretty good chance that that's the case. Yeah, he's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> like, right off the – like, they can't cut him, first of all, because that cap hit is just astronomical. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was around, like, 60 or something like that. Uh, if they trade him, then it's a cap hit of just under $34 million. You know what the – I just read about this this morning, so I happen to know this. But do you, do you have any idea uh, who has the biggest cap hit in NFL – the biggest dead money hit in NFL history and Antonio how much Brown. is it? Close. He's number two. There was a guy this, this offseason who beat him. Mm. Also a receiver. Been traded a million times. I can't Com think of it. Compared himself to Deshaun Jackson when he was coming out in the draft. Got lit up by Malcolm Jenkins. Oh, Brandon Cooks. Sorry. <laughs> That was a bunch of good clues right in a row. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he was $21.8 million. So if you trade Carson Wentz and you take on a dead money hit of $34 million, then you know, you're, you're basically uh, – you're, you're, you're topping the biggest dead money hit in NFL history by 
by basically twelve million dollars. So like that's not going to happen. So if you have him, uh, if you have Wentz at thirty four million, you cut Alshon Jeffrey. He's going to count for you know a little more than ten million. You cut Deshaun Jackson. He's going to count for about six million. You're looking at over fifty million dollars in dead money in a year that you know the cap is going to be shrunk significantly. The the uh, the bottom level it can be is 176 million. Uh, it'll probably be a little bit bigger than that. But let's say like you take Wentz and Alshon and Deshaun, you add it all together. It's over 50 million. It's about 28, 29 percent of of your possible cap spend that's going to be for players playing somewhere else or not at all. So like it's just impossible to be able to get rid of him. He's going to be on the team. I agree with you that what we see of him is probably uh, sort of what closer to what we'll see of him going forward than what we saw of him obviously in 2017 and maybe even 2019 at the end of the year where he, he dragged, you know, uh, a group of practice squad players to the playoffs in those final four games. Um, but I mean, there's no denying he's been horrible this season, obviously, and arguably the worst starter statistically in the NFL, uh, in 2020. On the other hand, you know, he's again, he's not far removed from that four game stretch last year. And he's not super. I mean, this, this is a little bit further away, obviously, but, he, you know, the Eagles don't have a Super Bowl without him leading the Eagles to an 11 2 record, uh, getting them the one seed and sort of Nick Foles coming in in relief of him. Obviously, that's a lot longer ago. So, like, you know, I don't know what you factor that in at this point. But um, I think, you know, down the road in a year or two, if he continues to play anywhere near this level, which again has been horrible, then obviously it's, it's an easy decision to, to move on from him in one way or the other. So now the question is, since we did stay or go big picture, we're going to do bench or no bench for the rest of the season, really, or the, you know, the, sh- the shorter term starting with Carson Wentz, Jimmy. And I, I mean, I've, I think I've said it on Twitter for multiple weeks now, like they need, they absolutely without a shadow of a doubt need to bench Carson Wentz. And there are two reasons why. Number one, you need to see Carson Wentz be held accountable. Doug Peterson is talking about how you can't bench him because it sends a message to the rest of the team that like the season is over. Basically, I think that's totally backwards. I think yes. it sends a message that the season is still on and that. It's a meritocracy and you have to actually play well to earn your job and not just because you have this big contract that we handed out to you and this preconceived notion that you're the starting quarterback. Like, I think that's bad to create this, you know, perception that you can play terrible and you can still keep your job. Uh, So I absolutely think you need to bench him for that reason as a factor. But also, oh, and also I want to see how Carson Wentz handles that being held accountable and maybe if that could actually be a good thing for him in the long term and it kind of gives him perspective and it's like wow you know like my like i'm not as i don't have as much power here as i thought i did because that's been a big issue i've talked about forever for now carson wentz has way too much power in that building uh, and also has a lot of influence over the offense and another thing that i think isn't weighted enough when talking about doug and the criticisms from mm-hmm. the coaching staff but yeah so i want to see how carson wentz handles that benching number one and number two I want to test out just how much the quarterback is to blame for what's going on with the Eagles right now. I, I think I am under no illusion that Jalen Hurts comes in and the offense is suddenly like top 10, maybe even top 15, top 20, whatever, like that they're going to be some amazing offense. But if things are like looking better and more cohesive and they're kind of clicking and the play calling suddenly doesn't look as bad, it's almost like a litmus test. I, I want to see Jalen Hurts come in and see how much different things look. And maybe they won't look different at all. Maybe it'll even be worse. I don't like, but to see it, you know, gather that information. And also in part, because what if this team picks like really high in the draft? Like I'm talking about like, you know, four or five or whatever. And there's a quarterback on the board. Mm -hmm. And like, don't you want to know further what you have in Jalen Hurts? So maybe you can make that decision to like draft a top quarterback. If you think there's a guy there, like you need to gather information by playing Jalen Hurts on not just him, but also like the situation around it. So those are my top two reasons. Would you bench Carson Wentz, Jimmy? I would, and I hadn't considered that last point that you made. That it's, Then that's a good point, where you want to at least see what you have in Jalen Hurts uh, before you invest in uh, you know, a top five pick and a quarterback. And there's going to be four guys at the top of the draft that are going to be maybe worthy of, uh, of, of that spot because you have Trevor Lawrence, who's probably going to go one more than likely to the Jets. You have the Jaguars, who are probably going to be picking two. So they're probably going to take a quarterback, whether that be um, uh, Fields from Ohio State 
or Trey Lance from North Dakota. <laughs> imagine they took, imagine the Eagles took Trey Lance from North Dakota mm-hmm. State again. <laughs> yeah. It's obviously a totally different player from once, but, uh, and then, uh, oh man, the guy's name is escaping me from uh, BYU. Zach Wilson? Yes. He's getting a lot of hype uh, recently as well. So they'd be the four guys that could potentially, I mean, there's going to be four quarterbacks at a minimum that go in the first, those four guys are going to go in the first round more than likely. It's just, a, you know, how high are they going to go? Uh, so if you really, really like one of those guys, then it's hard to pass up a quarterback when you're drafting top five if you think they're worthy of that spot because you don't know when you're going to be picking that high again. And, and they're a quarterback factory. <laughs> also that. And you have to like be sure that you have that one position. Like You have to be sure that that position's good mm-hmm. or else you're not going anywhere. Like If you don't have a good quarterback, you have no chance in the NFL unless you have like some kind of crazy – uh, like awesome defense or like a great pass rush, like the Giants had. Uh, you know, like the two thousand Ravens, the um, you know, like the the uh twenty the the two thousand two Buccaneers. Uh, you know, those are the types of teams that can win with like bad quarterbacks. But you know, it's not that it doesn't happen that often. Like what you see clearly is that usually teams that have a really good quarterback are going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, so you have to have that position fixed. If you're sitting there top 10 and there's a quarterback worth taking, you got to take them. So, yeah, I, I kind of like that point that you make there that you have to see what you have in the guy that you just took in the second round a year ago to have the, to have all the information possible before you make that kind of pick. And I don't think benching Wentz means his career is over. Like No one is saying, like, bench Carson Wentz forever. And that's right. not the, that no, no one's arguing that. They're saying bench him and then see how it goes with Jalen Hurts. And then, obviously, the door is open after that point. Hurts doesn't play well, or, or if you want to put Wentz back in after just one game, whatever. But like, I and I honestly, Jimmy, I don't think we're that far off from Wentz being benched. I mean, like, I think, and maybe I'm wrong about this. This is just my the way I'm reading it. I think national game against the Seahawks, the Seahawks defense, and we're going to get into this is terrible. They're leading, like, they're giving up the most passing yards per game, and it's not even close. Um, so if Carson Wentz can't like look if he can't have success against this Seahawks defense, uh, then like I think and it's on national television and he's terrible and he's turning the ball over multiple times and it's like an embarrassment. I think that's kind of the I mean the pressure is already here, Jimmy, sure. to bench him. Like there's a poll on BGN, ninety percent of readers are saying bench him. <laughs> really? Peter King wow, okay. say is is raising the the question to bench him. Uh, Albert Breer, you know, like these guys, these national guys are saying like sit him for a game like the pressure is mounting so i can't see how they're just going to continue to put their heads in the sand and not actually do anything about that i think if he has a terrible game against the seahawks then i think that could be the the straw that breaks the camel's back and i think they could pull him at that point and he's getting he's getting questions himself about it like every every press conference too three of them in the post-game press conference Uh, i think it was three it was at least three Jason Peters. Yeah, out. <laughs> bye. Like, yeah, no question. But <laughs> next, I mean, <laughs> next. Uh, which Lane one do you Johnson. think is more? Wait, which one do you think is more likely to happen though? Jason Peters getting benched or Carson Wentz getting benched? Sadly, Carson yep. Wentz. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh huh. All right, Lane Johnson. Obviously, you're not benching him for uh, performance. Uh, his play, yeah. But this is more for just preservation of what is clearly an ankle that has bothered him all season long. Yeah. Yeah. Out. Uh, yeah, uh, bench him. Jalen Mills. <laughs> I would not bench Mills. Um, I mean, because what else are you going to put in? Like, in theory, you could put Kayvon Wallace in, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything from him. So you put him in and he's horrible. Maybe sort of wreck his mentality going forward. I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I'd just leave Mills in. If you want to get if you want to get Wallace in there more as a third safety uh-huh. in like the Will Parks role, absolutely go for that. Do that. But I would not bench Mills to put Kayvon Wallace in there as a starter. Yeah, I don't. I honestly just don't care. Whatever. Um, Maddox. <laughs> yeah, right. Maddox. Yeah, they can't, again, because if you bench him, then who's playing outside? Like, is it is it Nickel Roby Coleman playing outside? Like, I can understand maybe giving Michael Jaquette some some time out there once you're, like, mathematically eliminated. But you can't, yeah. you, you can't just bench Matt. I mean, of course, CB2 is a big offseason need. And Maddox clearly showed this year that he is not an outside corner. Never mm-hmm. should have been, but I would not bench him at this point. Also, and then Jeffrey, finally, <laughs> and obviously this isn't a benching because he, he's only getting a few snaps. So you put. I here, talked like, over that. Just... So Brandon said Alshon Jeffrey. To be clear, yeah, Alshon Jeffrey. And this isn't benching. This is uh, should they just should they just cut him? Yeah. 
<laughs> why? Why? What is the point? He's not helping the team in the short term, which is really the best value he has to this team at this point. And everyone knows that he's not going to be here next year. So what are we doing? Why are we playing him? What is the point? Like, <clears throat> obviously, I don't think John Hightower has been great this year, but his playing time has gone down since Alshon has come back. And, like, you could actually keep Wesley Watkins active instead of keeping him as a healthy scratch if you get rid of Alshon. What are we doing? One of the, one of the things I like about uh, – uh, like, I, I love Jeff McLean's bluntness in these press conferences. <laughs> did, you, did you hear, uh, like, how he asked Doug? Was it on Monday that he asked this? Yeah, he was like, why is Austin Jeffrey on the team? (laughs) Right. And Doug was like, what do you mean? Why is he on the team? (laughs) He's like, why is he on the team? Like, what's he he do for you? So, uh, yeah, I mean, my position is probably pretty clear on this. But, yeah, I mean, why is he on the team? He's just taking snaps away from younger receivers. What's the point? And he looks like he, he, like, have have we seen him? He's cooked. He's done. Get him out. Yeah, this this idea, like, they have to work him back in the shape. What are you talking about? The season's going to be right, over. For what? <laughs> it's such a waste. It's a waste of a roster. It, they they handled these things. It's it's amazing how like this whole this whole saga from guaranteeing his contract, not putting him on pup this year. Like it's it's a disaster. It's an unmitigated disaster. It should be one of the reasons why Jeffrey Lurie is like looking at this team and being like, "Wait, wait, we did what? Like this this happened under our? This is embarrassing. Like this is pathetic." Like, this is the guy. So the people who did this with Alshon, like, I'm trusting them to rebuild the team and get it right. Like, how could you? It's crazy. It's It's been the, it's been the worst handled player, I think, that I can remember with this team. And predictably, it's not hindsight. Like, this is all we're saying this in the moment. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's skip Wheel of Badness because we're already up at 52 minutes wow. almost here. Okay. Um, Real quick, Kristen wrote to Roach Realtors. I don't have a jingle this week. I'm sorry to everyone who loves, who likes the jingles. But if you're looking to buy or sell a home, please call Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. She is the bee's knees, my friends. 856-906-9295. For real, she's very, very good. Uh, 856-906-9295. Brandon? What do you have to lose? Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio 157 for a final segment, Jimmy, quickly to run through where we stand. I don't think anyone cares about this, but I bring it up every week anyway. Uh, we both went one and two against the spread last week. Not great. I'm 15 Ooh. and 17 now. You're 16 and 16. <laughs> Those are the NFC okay. East against the spread picks. And then Eagles straight up, you gained on me here because uh, I picked the Eagles to win foolishly. Like a fool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, six and four now. Still ahead of you. You are five, four, and one. Okay. Um, so that's what we're saying on that. We'll start this week with the Thanksgiving game, which little tease here, Jimmy, I want to give to the SB Nation NFL show podcast. I'll be doing a recap podcast of the Thanksgiving games, all three of them. You know, mainly people here will care about the NFC East one, maybe, uh, on the SB Nation NFL show with Vlogging the Boys' own RJ Ochoa. So, you know, it'll be fun. Uh, Eagles podcaster slash writer, Cowboys podcast slash writer will talk about uh, the NFC East which obviously you want to hear about, and other things. So go check that out. Subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show to get that episode. It'll drop on Friday, so I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, But the Thanksgiving game, Jimmy, uh, the Cowboys are favored by three as they host the football team. Who you got? Yeah, they get that BS uh, advantage of having a Thursday home game every year. Throw that in there because I think it's just sort of – on uh, on brand to complain about that every year. Uh, but I got the Cowboys in this game. I think their legit win over the Vikings last week was impressive. Uh, they did have two weeks to prepare for that, whereas the Vikings were on a short week. Nevertheless, it's an impressive road win anyway. And I think that they are just simply a more talented team than the football team. And I think they got a little spark there. They're having some fun. They're smashing watermelons in, uh, in Minneapolis hotels uh, prior to the game. Uh, we make fun of uh, Mike McCarthy and for good reason. But, you know, I can see the Cowboys looking at the standings here and thinking, you know what? We've been horrible all year. Maybe the worst is behind us. It's right in front of us here. We got some talented players. Let's go take care of business. I'll leave a three. Would you say the Cowboys winning the NFC East is the worst situation for the Eagles? Assuming the Eagles, we don't want the Eagles to win the NFC East. That's the assumption. But like, I who think it's is the, the best situation for the Eagles if the Cowboys win the NFC East. Okay. Why? 
because they're going to get smoked in the first round anyway. So who cares? And they're just going to get a pick. They're going to they're going to have the 19th overall pick as opposed to a pick in the top 10 somewhere where they're going to get like a premium player. I think it's bad because I think it's like a positive springboard for them potentially into next oh, season. Right, right. They, they, we win and we get Dak back. Yeah. I don't really believe in that in a lot of cases. Like a lot of either. people <laughs> used to say that for the Eagles when they finished strong in 2011 and then parlayed that into a 4-12 and season in 2012. But I think that applies here to the Eagles or the Cowboys because they're going to get Dak back. Like it's, it's a different dynamic and it's a first-year head coach and it shows that the players are kind of like – you know, they they found some answers. They found a way to turn things around. Like I think, it, you know, it'd be better in a way for the Cowboys to kind of look like a mess. And we were just talking about McCarthy potentially being like a one and done. Like that's not going to happen now, obviously. But like I think it'd be better for them to be a little bit more of a train wreck than it would be to kind of like finish the season on a, on a positive note and then kind of like have a nice like stepping stone into next year. But uh, but that's the side of the point. Uh, for this game, but you know what? I, let, let me change my answer a little bit on that. I think okay. the best scenario for the Eagles would be that the Giants win the division. Because then Gettleman might keep his job. That's true. I would argue the football team, though, because I think they need a quarterback the most, and keeping them away from that would be nice. That's true. So, you but I think really they're going to be. I think they're, they're going to be away from that anyway, though, because the first two picks, like I said earlier in the podcast, are going to be more than likely going to be the Jets and Jaguars, and both of those teams are taking a quarterback. There's just really no way, no way around it. So, the if the if the football team is in striking distance to get a quarterback. You know, no, neither of those two teams are going to trade out of that spot, their spots. So at a at best, the football team is going to get the third mm-hmm. or they're going to get the third choice of a quarterback prospect. Right. Yeah. Right. Still. So I don't I, think it's a big deal if they if they if they don't win the division. I still think it's the most ideal outcome. Um, Although Cowboys, is there any merit to thinking that like if they win, it's more likely that the Eagles fire Howie Roseman? Well, yeah, that's that's the angle I wasn't like considering. I wasn't. I was saying like, let's assume like the Eagles, you know, like they finished last and everything. Yeah, I, I, but I, I mean, are the optics worse if the Cowboys win than one of the other two teams? I get what you're saying. Probably, yeah, because they're having like, lost their quarterback in the water, and you <laughs> <Yes>. beat them, <laughs> right? Yeah, so I'm gonna take the Cowboys with you as well. They played well against the Steelers before the bye. Come back after the bye to beat the Vikings. So again, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think their Vikings are a little bit better than their record indicates. Um, so, and I think the football team. You no, know, while I think the they'll keep. I think Washington will keep it competitive. I think it'll be actually a good game on Thanksgiving. Um, but who who do the Lions play by the way in the early game? The Texans, terrible, Ugh. terrible matchup. Every, who cares? every year, every year, like that's a, just a waste of time. That game. I think get the, line, get the Lions be. the hell out of things. Like I can, I'm fine with the Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving as long as like they also have to play like on the wrong end of like a road game during the season on on Thursday night. But like, who does anyone outside of Detroit want to watch the Lions on Thanksgiving? Like, who cares if it's a tradition? Get them out. I think Do it'll be nice to see Matt Patricia's final game on a national <laughs> television and get him get embarrassed. Uh, what you can is look forward record, to that. By the way, are they, what so, are they? Four and six or four and seven? Something like that. Uh, they, I mean, if if they ha- if they they get blown out or something, there's a chance he gets canned like like that week. He right after the game, he should be gone by now. But it, yes. I think they the only reason they didn't fire him, I think, after this Panthers game, they lost twenty to zero, is because it was a short week. I think that was the only reason. You okay. know, it's like that's kind of hard to do. You can't really like change your coach like before a Thursday game. Giants are five and a half point favorites against the Bengals, who will be starting Brandon Allen. Oh, really? They're not going uh, Ryan Finley. Correct. Okay, Brandon Allen. He, I think he won a game with the Broncos last year. Is he Arkansas, Brandon Allen? I don't know, Jimmy. I gotta know. Well, yeah, whatever. He, I'm, he I'm, I'll lay the, the points. Giants are gonna Giants are gonna win, and they're gonna win handily in that game. Yeah, they're coming off their bye. The Bengals weren't good to begin with, and Joe Burrow was like you know, the only thing really going for them. I wouldn't rule the Giants out winning the NFC East. Like I know sure. you think the Cowboys are the best chance, but uh, I know you think the Giants they have, have a harder schedule. schedule. Yeah, but the way I looked at it, I, I think they can. I think they like they might be able to beat like a Browns team. I don't think the Browns are all that impressive. No. By the way, they, the again, again, the Eagles should have won that game. They, they, the Browns were the Browns aren't good. Like mm-hmm. I actually thought, like I, I, I kind of was all over the place on that. Like I didn't think they were that good. Then I sat down and like kind of watched them, got to know them a little bit better. I thought they were better than what I thought. Now I'm back to thinking that they're not good <laughs> after watching them not play well against the Eagles. Yeah, so I think the Giants do win here and cover. I don't. I don't know what you would see about the Bengals that makes you feel good about them. Joe Judge has the Giants fighting both figuratively <laughs> and literally. So <laughs> That's right. Uh, that brings us to our final game here, Jimmy. The Seahawks 
as you said, minus five. I saw it minus five and a half at one point when I wrote my article for BleedingGreenNation.com. I do like a, a weekly first look at the odds, initial thoughts on the matchup. So this actually dropped a little bit here. Uh, yeah, people are betting on the Eagles on this. Yeah, I mean, what are you, what are you doing? Why? <laughs> yes. So Seahawks minus five at the Eagles. Yeah, I'll lay the five all day. That's an easy how, call. How could you not? Like Russell Wilson owns this team, and even if you like make the argument like that, the defense can do enough to kind of keep him in check. Which okay, like I could, I could see that to some extent. You know, the, the Eagles are coming off a good game defensively, where they only allowed thirteen points. They did okay against Russell Wilson in the playoffs earlier this year. Like he didn't go totally bananas against them. Like okay, but even if you make that case, like how do you have any faith in this Eagles offense right now? Now you could say again, Seattle's passing defense is so bad, and again, far and away so bad. Like Jimmy, they're allowing like three hundred and forty something passing yards per game. The next, they were missing the, both of their starting corners for a while. So Quentin Dunbar and um, oh, Shaquille Griffin. Yes, 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 yes. The brother of the. One arm guy. Jeez, what the hell? That's how I, I mean. That's what he is. Uh, but yeah, they, they've been missing both of those guys for a while now. I don't know if they'll. I haven't followed closely enough because who cares? Like normally, I would know this. Like in a, in a, like when I'm when I'm like thinking about matchups heading into the week, but I just don't care. So I don't know if those guys will be back. But they have been missing those two guys. So that's part of the reason why they've given up so many yards. But if they're out again. And like you said, if the Eagles can't do anything uh, in the passing game on offense, it's real. I mean, it's, it's we're beyond the point where it's alarming. It's just sort of a continuation of what we've seen all year. But it's sort of what I'm expecting. Uh, Griffin did return to practice, and I think like on Monday or whatever. The like he's back. The Seahawks expected him back, so it seems like he'll be playing. Uh, yeah. So Seahawks 340 yards per game. The next closest team, Jimmy, is Atlanta, and they're only allowing 300. So like four, yeah, four, yeah. like that's insane. Um, so yeah, if the, like if the Eagles can't have more passing success against the Seahawks defense, which I think has played a little bit better though, the past two weeks. Um, but the problem with that is like the Cowboys were looking terrible when the Eagles, you know, played them in week eight, like the, Cow- the Cowboys defense came into Philly, like with the worst numbers in the league defensively. Mm-hmm. And that didn't matter because the Eagles only scored what, like 15 was it points offensively in that game. Uh, so like, it just doesn't matter to me how bad the opponent is. The Eagles are terrible. I did my power rankings, like I said, Jimmy. Uh, I put the Eagles at thirtieth. I put only the Jags and Jets worse than them right now. I, I think, like, I think that's where they are. I, I just, I don't know I have any confidence in this team. There's nothing to feel good about. Carson Wentz should be bent. Coaching staff is inspiring confidence. Um, the defense, I think, again, can be respectable. That's probably the best thing they have going for them. Well, this is going to be a bad week now because they just had a good week, so they're going to go back to being bad again this week. Well, and it's Russell Wilson. It's going to be a DK bad Metcalf. defense week. It, yeah, I mean, like, so what do you what do you do with Slay? Are you going to put Slay on DK Metcalf? I mean, I mean, it's pick, it's pick your poison. Like yeah. whichever whichever receiver you put on the other guys, like Tyler Lockett or, or DK exactly. Metcalf, is just going to eat them up. And like, if you watch some Seahawks games, well, really within the past two years or whatever, like Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, like combined on some crazy catches, you yes. can defend it perfectly, and it doesn't matter. Like Russ is going to float that ball, and Lockett's going to make like an insane catch. So like, it just. It doesn't matter. And I agree with you. Like, even if you shut down DK, and guess what? That's not going to happen because you know, for the narrative's sake, that DK (laughs) is going to have an amazing game against this team. And I think, I don't know if he takes that personally, but I think back to like how he held the peace sign up after, you know, he kind of iced the Eagles last year. And I think he kind of does a little bit. And he's also weighing in on like the Eagles should start Jalen Hurts instead of Carson Wentz. I think he kind of likes ribbing the Eagles a little bit. Um, Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's my headcanon. But uh, I think there's something to that. It doesn't matter, like you said. I think either DK or Lockett, if not both, uh, are going to go off. Yeah, like I mean, it's human nature to to want to beat the organization that didn't want you. Mm-hmm. I took JJ Arthega Whiteside over you. I did. <laughs> so I did an exchange that like I do with uh, the other SB Nation blog every week. Field goals this week, which is always yeah. you know a great name. And I I put in my bonus question: Do the Seahawks regret not trading up ahead of the Eagles to draft JJ Ortega Whiteside instead of settling for DK Metcalf? So, looking forward to how they answer that one. Okay. Um. Any Anything else, Jimmy? Anything else? We no. Just happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Uh, stay safe. Try not to congregate with a lot of people that you haven't been around already. You should know that by now. You don't need me to tell you that. But uh, happy holidays to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I'm thankful for a lot of things, Jimmy, uh, health, uh, job, family, you, Jimmy, the podcast, BGN, That's everything. Fine. So a lot of things to be thankful for, even though, you know, things 
aren't going well for the Eagles, not going well for the world in terms of a pandemic, trying to think about the positive, the good things, trying to keep that in perspective. Righteous Holland Craft Jerky, also very thankful for that. You know, discount code BGN15, get some. It's great. SB Nation NFL show, go subscribe to that. Again, you can hear me talk about the Thanksgiving games, talk about the NFC East implications, whatever, for Friday. And uh, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff for right here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. We really appreciate your support. And we will be back next week after the Seahawks game to, to talk about that, I guess, and whatever else as the Eagles march into this final stretch of the season. Uh, can't wait. It's going to be ugly. By the way, not to prolong the podcast, but – I mean, if they like, it seem it feels really bad in terms of like the pressure that the team is under. Doug is like very clearly in his press conferences, like just totally like chippy, frazzled, like overwhelmed, and we're not. (laughs) Yes, right. And it's only going to get worse after each of these next four losses and maybe beyond. But I feel bad for him. It's a it's a very bad situation uh, for for a person to have to be in. And for him to have to sit up there and take the full brunt uh, for the organization just really sucks. You know what I mean? So uh, well, yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. Like I think, and I think that goes into it—the fact that he's the guy you see in the press conference. Like it's it's disproportionate. Doug deserves a lot of blame. I'm not saying he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. That's not arguing otherwise. But I'm saying like I think he gets most of it, and yeah. that's just that's kind of unfortunate. Especially if because if he didn't have to talk after every game, then it wouldn't be anywhere near as bad. Especially because, by the way, he was actually the one who coached in the Super Bowl and led them to the Super Bowl win, and like the quarterback didn't play in that game. Like, right? Just pointing that out. Um. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Goodbye, everybody. P G N. <laughs>